Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Well, welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. We're so excited for today as we are going to have someone I have known all the way back since 1980. 1980. Yes, that's right. The one, the only identical twin of myself, John Velarde, who's the Chick-fil-A owner and operator of Chick-fil-A Whitehall right here in the Lehigh Valley. And so we're so excited to have John here with us. John, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Chick-fil-A. Hey guys, so glad to be with you, Joseph. Uh, So I grew up in Smyrna, Georgia, like my brother, Joseph. And uh, in Smyrna, Georgia, a big, iconic place is Chick-fil-A. And so that was always the place to work, always the place to be. And um, when I was in college, I really wanted to work there just as a part-time job. And that part-time job turned into a full-time gig. And so I uh, was able to work there as a leader and was able to intern um, with Chick-fil-A's corporate office doing a marketing internship. And then from there, I had several restaurants, one in New Jersey, one in Chicago, and lastly here in Whitehall, Pennsylvania. And um, just a little bit about myself as well. I have um, a beautiful wife named Lauren. We're expecting our third baby in August. The Larde party growing. That's right. We've got two little girls, Georgia, who's five, and Rachel, who's two. And uh, we just really uh, are excited about what God is doing here in the Lehigh Valley and the Allentown area. Yeah, it's exciting to see as I look back at your journey, John. And I was there from the beginning uh, watching you enter into the Chick-fil-A world. It's it's really fascinating uh, to watch your own growth and development there. But even the gifts that came along beyond just a career, it was on that path that you actually met Lauren. And that's a pretty cool story <laughs> that when you were doing this marketing, uh, it was called the the IF. Yeah, it's Imagine Your Future. So yeah, Imagine Your Future. We literally were imagining our future together. <laughs> uh, right. And so, yeah, we met we met there. And ironically, too, we were traveling around the Northeast, New Jersey, and Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, and we were able to work with uh, several franchisees and help them grow their business and deploy uh, marketing strategies. Yeah, and Lauren's been such a gift to you and a gift to us as well, uh, and just to the business and what you guys are doing here in the Lehigh Valley and beyond, and just how uh, you're utilizing your life and you're leveraging the gifts that God has given you uh, to make a big, big difference. And so as we think about Chick-fil-A and think about business, I I did want to hear from you, you know, your own business philosophy. What are the the things behind not only what you do, but, but why you do what you do? You know, it's one thing to know what we do, but why do you do what you do the way you do it? And just helping others to understand your business philosophy. And if you're listening and you're trying to figure out how does this really fit for me if I'm not in the business world, I I do want to say there's so many principles for leadership, not just in the realm of if you're a founder or a business leader, but even leading yourself, uh, leading your life, uh, the vocation that you're in. There's a lot of principles and carry over for that. So, John, tell us your, your business philosophy. Well, I think, uh, you know, when you think about philosophy for me, it, it really starts on my core belief of, of the Bible. So, uh, and, and what I mean by that is I believe that every person is made in God's image and deserves um, to be treated with value, with dignity, and with respect because they all have intrinsic value and worth. Hmm. And so that guides 
the, the, the following principles, which are really want to provide an environment where people feel cared for, whether that's people that work for us or people that are in our community or just guests that come through the door. Uh, secondly, we want to live out of a place of uh, generosity and abundance, not scarcity. Mm. And so we want to think about um, how rich, how richly blessed we've been by, by God uh, with uh, the, the resources, whether that's with the talents or whether that's financially or uh, whether that's just different uh, tools to leverage uh, to be able to benefit other people. But be generous with that and understanding that when you use that philosophy, uh, the the byproduct of that philosophy is actually um, a great return as it re- as it pertains to the people that are in your care and um, the guests that are in your care. But also, it, it, it honestly helps propel your business forward because mm-hmm. it um, allows you to grow and uh, people become more aware of your business as a place of care and generosity, and uh, they feel very welcomed. Yeah, I was going to ask you, too, some of the the ways in which you, you live that out as far as how, how would you say you guys treat people with honor, dignity, and respect? What are some of the, the tangibles behind that? And even how could others start living out from that place? What are some of the things that you intentionally do? And whether that's you personally and then the business or however you want to answer that. Yeah, so I think the big thing is um, uh, small things like a smile. How are you? Uh, I think we, we always say my pleasure. At Chick-fil-A as well, when someone says thank you, we say my pleasure, uh, which was the intention is to, to say that we it was a joy to serve and serve you today. But I think another way to, to show care is to hear us. There's always a, a story behind a person. And so when we sit down and we talk to people that come in our restaurant, whether that's someone that's in and out, uh, we are able to, hey, how's your day? Uh, try to pass along a, a great experience from doing the basic things like, you know, making sure the order's right and making sure that, uh, you know, you've, they've got what they, they need, anticipating any needs they may have, and then, um, you know, engaging them in conversation. But those that we have longer time to sit down with, you know, it's sitting down and just talking about how's your day going, um, what's your kind of backstory. And a lot of times what you'll find is that people just want to be listened to. And we've had uh, several times where uh, there's a guest that comes to mind. Her name is Dot, and she comes to the restaurant, and she's a widow, and she's she's been widowed for several years. But a team member named Liz uh, had developed a relationship with her, and uh, they just started this conversation all through Liz just taking the time to serve and listen and care uh, for Dot. And um, Dot told me the other day that uh, – Liz is one of the the best things that's happened to her. She called Liz her friend, which I thought was interesting. So she's a friend that was established through the care and the kindness that was generated um, in the restaurant. So mm-hmm. just a, so, some of the ways. I mean, there are other ways that we can talk about. But. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was going to say about that, even as I look at you, John, and, and Chick-fil-A Whitehall, I frequent there often. Uh, me, my wife, and, and my son, Ray, who's who's three. Uh, he loves that place. I uh, love seeing Uncle Johnny, as he affectionately calls uh, John. Uh, I love but, you guys. Uh, well, man, uh, one of the things, though, that we see, uh, even through the way you guys model this, is I think creating uh, moments and opportunities to be aware. So what I mean by that is to just have the space and the 
the thoughtfulness to engage the people who are around you, whether it's customers, people in the drive through even people as you're going about just your everyday uh, life to, to make sure that you're slowing down enough to pay attention and to engage in, in different uh, opportunities that are coming your way, as well as ongoing relationships. You know, I know one of your big values, and it's one of the values of the Vision for the Valley podcast, is to encourage the encouragers. You know, and I know that it's so a big part, it's such a big part of who you are and, and what you're about as well, um, that really you treat people as image bearers of God uh, by the way you not only um, care for them by paying attention to those needs, but even speaking words of affirmation over them. So, John, can you tell us a little bit of how you go about encouraging people? What are the ways that you do that, and how could others develop that gift and that skill of encouragement? Sure. Uh, True True Kathy has a a quote, um, and it says, True Kathy, for context, is the founder of Chick-fil-A. And the quote goes something like this, that, how do you know someone needs encouragement if they're breathing? And so uh, my belief is that um, encouragement is oxygen for the human soul. Hmm. And so if you think about what um, we're all carrying and what we're all dealing with, I think it's really important to understand that um, most of us, if not all of us, are battling a hard battle. Hmm. And so kindness is required, and part of kindness is encouragement. And so... The way I, I like to look at encouragement is uh, there's a level of genuineness behind it. So what you say is what you mean. So make sure that it's 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 something you really mean. Uh, be really specific about what you're giving thanks for. So if it's very broad, like you did a great job, well, what did I do a great job at? And my wife would ask, like, what do you mean? What did I do a great job at? So, hey, you did a great job putting that marketing presentation together. Uh, the way you delivered it was so, so good. It was so practical for our clients to be able to implement those strategies. Um, you know, those are, those are really specific ways to, those are really specific um, ways to encourage. And then the other thing I would say is eye contact when possible. So um, if it's face to face, look the person in the eye, um, call out what you see in them and what you believe is possible for them. Right. So, uh, it's this 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 is possibilities and um, realities and calling those things to life uh, because sometimes we believe things about ourselves that just aren't true or we're unaware of some of the the gifts and skills that we have or the things that make us unique and so those are some of the the ways I would do that I would also get creative so it may be a handwritten note it may be a um, a phone call it may be a video message that you send someone. But I think the biggest thing to think about is um, know the person um, that you're encouraging and know kind of what makes their heart come alive. But secondly, um, you know, eye contact, being specific um, and being direct. And it's this idea of having the courage to encourage. A lot of times Mm -hmm. the reason we don't encourage is because we're afraid of how it's going to come across. And the reality is, is that fear that hinders us from stepping into our future and helping others step into their futures. Uh, there, there's a, a verse in the Bible that says that perfect love casts out fear. And so if we love well and if we encourage well, um, we help extinguish the fear in our own lives but in the lives of others. And so I would just, you know, challenge you know everyone that's listening to think about that idea of just, you know, be real specific, eye contact, 
And then on the other end of encouragement, um, I think sometimes people think encouragement is only aff- affirming words. And encouragement can also be a challenging word, um, which is a call to action to be to, to be more than you're being because we believe you can do more. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, some ways to think about that is you see someone in a, a pattern of behavior that's just not good for them or you see someone not living into, into their potential, calling out who they are but also calling to light who they could be and saying, hey, I, I really want to challenge you just to, to really think differently in this area. You have all the talent in the world to do it. The only thing that's hindering you is you. And so, uh, you know, those are some ways to think about that. I think sometimes we only look at encouragement as the affirmative. Um, and challenge is an affirmative thing to do, but it's a, a much more difficult thing to do because it's going to require a level of conflict and encouraged to do that. Yeah. And I think understanding even the heartbeat behind why you would do that, the the heartbeat behind that is to help that person be their best version of themselves. So it's never done out a, of a, out of a place of being, um, mean spirited or, or ugly, but rather leaning into this difficult place or pattern in their lives to say, Hey, this is what I've seen you do, but this is what I know you could do. Sure. And and so our other brother, Jesse, said it well the other day. He said, we often call people out, but instead of calling them out, what if we called them forward? Mm-hmm. And calling That's them good. forward is really the idea of saying, hey, I see this in you and I'm affirming it. I'm encouraging that. But I also see this part of your life where you're missing out on what God has intended for you. And I want to help you to reach your God-given potential and help you to be all that God has intended you to be and to be the best version of yourself to walk alongside you. Now, as we think about encouragement, that really spills over to the third area you talked about, which was generosity, John. And I just wanted to ask you, what are some of the ways uh, you and Chick-fil-A Whitehall are practicing generosity? And I can list out uh, several things, but I'm going to let you, I don't want to steal your thunder <laughs> because I, I've watched you obviously up close and got a front row seat uh, to all that's happening here. But give us some ways that generosity has been uh, able to be lived out of Chick-fil-A Whitehall. Sure. And hey, before I go there, I want to go back to the encouragement thing that you said, the last thing you said about yep. what Jesse said. I think just really important to make sure you fight against when you're challenging self-righteousness. That's right. So examine your own heart, examine your own motives, um, and and really the the why behind the what. what why are you trying to do this? And if it's to to make yourself look better or feel better or what have you, that's not, that's not helpful to you or anybody else. And the reality is you have to look deep within yourself and figure out, Hey, is this place coming out of a place of love or is this coming out of a place of uh, resentment and uh, mean spirited? And we, we definitely don't want to do that. We've, we've got enough of that. So I think Anne Voskamp said it well, encouragers wanted, we have enough uh, critics mm-hmm. and criticism in our life. So, um, and if you are thinking about what role should you play, an encourager is wanted. Yeah, and I, and I would say, too, that, John, like, I think that's right on. Like, if there is uh, of any form of self-righteousness, fear, or pride, and what I mean by fear is, like, hey, I'm, I'm missing out, so i got to, like, somehow put this person down with these words. I just want to say to you, just keep your mouth shut until you get your heart right. Like, it's not your place to speak until your heart's right. And, and that's not to say that what you... Um, are going to say isn't true, but it's important, not just what you say, but how you say it. And so if those things aren't aligned, 
properly, then wisdom says you need to wait. You need to wait until those things are aligned and they're coming from the right and proper place. So I, I definitely agree with that. So back to the, the question of generosity. How are you practicing generosity at Chick-fil-A Whitehall? And what would you recommend for those who are listening? In that yeah, area? So I, I think, you know, some practical ways we apply generosity in our restaurant is um, whether it's we give away um, Chick-fil-A sandwiches in honor of our local hometown hero, Saquon Barkley. So if you we did an event where you said Saquon and you got a free chicken sandwich. And I actually have I have Kristen, the musical magician here who helped put that song together for us for that event. But, you know, th- that's one way. I think uh, other ways we've partnered with other nonprofits like uh, the Downtown Rescue Mission where you donated a, um, clothing and you got a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. Um, some of it is, you know, beyond food. It's it's sponsoring um, different events in the area and really just trying to engage um, those different folks, obviously working with Riverbend and donating uh, Chick-fil-A cards or, or uh, gift cards for um people that attend here and in the community as well and so um those are some of the ways i would think i think you know one of the things that uh when you think about generosity i think we get limited by what we don't have as opposed to what we do have Hmm. and so i want you to think about well what what do what do i have what can i give and uh you know depending on what kind of line of work you do or whether you work at a corporation so you could be generous with your time that maybe I'm going to commit to an hour, an hour a week or four hours um, a month to mentor someone, or I'm going to go um, work with the Allentown rescue mission and help serve there. Or uh, I have a gift. I have a, I've been trained in uh, the digital arts and I'm going to help a a company design something or a, a friend that's starting a business design something you know, those are those are several ways that you can do, it, or your local church even, uh, where you can plug in those gifts and those skill sets to do that. But I think a scarcity mindset is one that thinks that I don't have enough, so I can't do anything. But a gospel and abundance mindset is I, everything I have belongs to to God, who who's given me all these things, and He's entrusted me with these things. And so if he's entrusted me with these things to be a, a good steward and a faithful steward is to apply them uh, faithfully and generously uh, with wisdom. Yeah, and I think that's right. I would call it wise generosity. That's the phrase I've been using lately. Just uh, as I pray for, okay, God, what do you want me to do and how do you want me to do it? All I have is yours. And so God's always asking, what have I put in your hands? And are you giving that back up and surrender to me? And are you saying, hey, let me show you the way uh, Lord, you're asking, hey, Lord, will you show me the way how to use this and having that mindset? And I know even for us, we've benefited from partnering with you guys, whether it's Night to Shine, which is with three years in a row, we did a, a prom for those with special needs of the Tim Tebow Foundation. And really, we are the lone host site at the Lehigh Valley. And as a church, that is a, a big undertaking and an accomplishment. We get to be a part of it, but we didn't do it alone. We did it because other business partners were generous to walk alongside us like Chick-fil-A Whitehall. And then we just did an event in June called Generosity Feeds, where we packed 10,000 meals for uh, the local community here, hungry students who go home hungry and, and don't have 
the, the necessary food and nutrients that they need. And so we fought against hunger together, but it's because of the generosity of, of businesses like Chick-fil-A Whitehall that we're able to pull that stuff off. And I can go on and on and on about those types of opportunities. But I, I really think it's important, as John said, what could you do? What do you have in your hands? How could you live out of a place of generosity? And so the, the next question I wanted to ask you, John, as you think about what's going on in your own business, what, what is it uh, for you that you would recommend as you talk to other people considering the business arena of life? What are the next steps that you would recommend they take wherever they are in their vocational career or what, if they're considering the business entrepreneurship uh, road, what would you recommend? So when I talk with people, one of the things I hear is that they get so hung up in the, the how, the what, the when, that they lose sight of the, the next, just do the next right step. And so the one thing I would encourage you to think about is um, think about what it would mean to write out a, a business plan. So a simple business plan. So it's like a one-page business plan. And it can essentially establish like, hey, this is what this is what I want the business to be. And these are the core principles of that business. Uh, and it, it doesn't cost you anything to do that beyond time. Right. You're not you're not quitting your job, you're just doing the right next step. And so I think that's the first thing I would I would think about um, writing out a business plan, some vision statements. Secondly, I would ch- check out Andy Stanley's book, Visioneering. And just think about what does it mean to have a clear vision, a God-ordained vision for this business that I'm dreaming about or thinking about. Um, and then the third thing I would I would just consider is there's conferences out there. So like if you're – it's predominantly for women, but there's a thing called the Business Boutique for women that want to launch businesses. There's multiple things like that. There's a lot of stuff online that's free that you can just watch to learn what it means to start a business and to go into business for yourself. I think the biggest thing um, that I see people get hung up on is the, the fear. They get so caught up in the fear and the end result that they don't even take the next right step. And so it's small steps that oftentimes lead to the big changes we want in our lives. And so thinking through what's the next and small step I can take today to get towards where I want to go. And then I would also just encourage you to think about um, allow curiosity to be your friend, meaning there's people in your midst that know know the things that you you want to know about. So uh, ask questions, consider what those possibilities could be, and dream big. Don't limit God uh, by your fear, and don't limit. And, and Craig Rochelle says it really well: uh, to step into your destiny, you may have to step away from your security. Hmm. And so, whatever your dream is, it's going to require sacrifice. Um, and it's going to require hustle and it's going to require you to grind it out. And so it's not, it's not going to be, um, something that's just going to happen overnight or just going to be handed to you or be easy. But once again, to, to live the life that you were created to live and to step into the destiny that you were meant to live or be in, you may have to step away from the security you've known. Hmm. Yeah. And as I think about even what you're saying about, you know, really taking steps in that the business realm and entrepreneurship, those steps also could be applied to your personal life. So for example, yes. if you're thinking about this and you, you know, thinking about this for yourself practically, what would it look like for you to have a plan, create a business plan around your personal finances? What would it look like for you to create a business plan 
around your marriage. I mean, do you know what you're trying to accomplish in your marriage? Do you have a clear mission and vision and purpose behind what you're doing? You can do that for your vocation as well. So maybe you're not trying to step out and start something, but maybe you're in the middle of something. And I think these principles really do apply because having the clarity gives you the courage to continue on. So when you have clarity and you've written it out, you can go back to, hey, what is my next step here in this process? And there are so many great resources like Visioneering, that that book John mentioned by Andy Stanley. And I've said this before on the podcast, that book back in 2006 was actually the book I read that started me on what would later become Riverbend Community Church. It's incredible to watch how God used that in my own life, but to have clarity to be able to understand these different areas of our lives, not just our vocation, that's part of it, and that's a big part of it, but to make sure that we are taking the time and putting the energy in to writing out something and then inviting others in. Hey, what are the insights you could glean from others? The part of the reason we started this podcast is I want to learn from other people and I want you to learn from other people. I want to learn from people like John and I want to learn from, from those who are going to be on it, who are walking in all kinds of walks of life, but they're going to have an insight into their own journey and experience and what I am going through. That's going to help give another perspective. And that's really key and important in that. So as you, and and sorry to interrupt, Joseph, the one thing I was going to add to is, uh, as much time as you read and do the, you know, write these business plans out and all those things, make sure you're spending enough time just praying about it. That's you right. know, surrender it to the Lord and ask the Lord to give you. It says in James that if you lack wisdom, mm-hmm. to ask and that God gives it to us generously. Those who believe in faith, and so he he has all the answers that you need. He has all the vision that you ha- want. Has all the creativity that you long for, and so just making sure you tap into the source and stay connected uh, in the midst of discernment, discerning, and just uh, the next steps, um, or even should you do this venture at this time or not. I think the the big thing is when we're we're connected to the source, and when we're stepped, we're stepping um, with the spirit and step with the spirit. It yields a level of confidence for us to take those courageous steps because we can be confident that God is with us and for us. And acts of courage produce feelings of courage. And so, you know, as you think through this uh, business ownership and business development, courage is going to be required. But courage on your own strength will not propel you through. But courage guided by God's spirit will. Yeah, as I I think about what you're saying, I think that's such a a good word about the idea that, you know, prayer often is the last resort that people say, oh, it's a a last resort. But prayer should be the first resort, should be the resort for the next steps, should be in the middle of the resort, the last resort as well. It should be throughout the whole process. It should be you're praying and you're planning and they work together. They don't work in opposition together. They work in a collaborative effort. So praying throughout that whole process is going to be so key. So make that not your, you know, the last ditch effort, but your first step in this journey as you're considering exactly what your next steps are to be. And so John, as we think about this idea of entrepreneurship, I know your story well, obviously, but I I wanted people who are hearing this to understand how entrepreneurship for you in your own story and our story as, as brothers had, had provided a way out for some of the things that you had experienced uh, growing up and that we had experienced growing up. So can you, can you explain that and, and help people understand 
that? Sure. So uh, as far as the way you know, we grew up, we grew up in a pretty challenging situation. Um, I think Joseph's given some context with that before. But uh, I think that what, what entrepreneurship allowed uh, me to do and this opportunities allowed me to do is really um, forge uh, this way forward for not only myself, but my family, for other people. It's created opportunities for, for people to accomplish their dreams and, you know, helping people to, to realize what they, what they could be. And, uh, you know, you think about, um, the way, the way out, uh, for, for me and uh, even my brothers is just this idea that this opportunity is not limiting us, but it's, uh, enabling us to not only provide for my family, but also provide for other people to help uh, other people realize uh, their dreams and their abilities. And so, um, you know, I think about these two team members that come to mind that come from really challenging, situ- really, really challenging situations and a lot of abuse, domestic violence, all those things. But for them to look at me in the face and tell me that Chick-fil-A is a safe place, a safe haven for me because it enables me to provide for other people. And uh, allows me to become a better version of myself, or I think of this restaurant as family. And so, uh, you know, I think about this idea of just uh, being able to pour into other people, but also in allowing, you know, the places that are really broken and really hard for me, the way we came up, uh, to be able to apply those learnings and gives me a greater deal of empathy uh, to the situation that I'm in. Yeah, as I, as I think about entrepreneurship, one of the things that I have thought about and considered about, you know, when it comes to a way out, you know, a lot of my conversations with people, uh, really as they're looking at, Hey, you know, what are my next steps that I take? What are the things uh, that I could do and how could I move forward? I've come to this conviction recently that entrepreneurship is such a gift because it helps people, whether they're going to become a founder of something or they're going to be somebody who provides provides another way uh, to be able to think about something. And as they are going to do that, uh, it's going to help them uh, to really be able to use their own experiences and their knowledge base uh, to even, you know, because a lot of times people who come from difficult situations, they have to think a different way. You know, they, they don't, a lot of the stuff they haven't been given. And so that way of thinking creatively can be harnessed and used in incredible ways. And so whether they're going to be a founder of something or whether they're going to be able to think critically in a creative way to help an organization, I I think it is important that we help people to take the next steps with entrepreneurship. And in fact, John, aren't you doing something with entrepreneurship with Copley? Tell us about that. Yes, I am. So we're working with uh, the city of Copley to do um, an entrepreneurship program where we're going to have a town hall meeting with local residents, and we'll have several entrepreneurs there and just do a lot of Q&A, but also do some presentation where folks can ask questions about what does it mean to run a business, how do you run a business, even some things related to government governance and loans and things of that nature. But that's all uh, an attempt to just equip people to be able to – you know, think about fulfilling their dream of running a business, owning a business, but even th- maybe they haven't thought about it that way before thinking about the possibility. A lot of times people, um, just have never been encouraged or challenged enough to think, think outside of 
traditional nine to five corporate life. Um, and so it's just an ability to be able to, you know, engage and develop the community in that regard. Yeah. And I was going to say too, uh, Shannon Barco, who's one of our, our mutual friends, shout out to Shannon Barco. Uh, she's doing a great, great work. But one of the things she often talks to us about and really one of her main goals with what she does is to help people to learn how to think creatively and differently. And so she says, you know, when you talk about entrepreneurship, which I, I briefly touched on that, yes, the founders are important, but the principle of being able just to think, think for yourself, think outside the box, think about solutions, not just problems. She said that art has been lost. And this is where entrepreneurship really helps us, whether you're going to be a founder of a business or not, I think to be able to not just be problem oriented in your thinking, but solution oriented and to be able to think critically. And so I think it's a real important way for us all to grow. Uh, But Shannon, at some point, is going to be a guest on this podcast. I can't wait for that. But she has really helped me to even understand, even as I look at entrepreneurship, how it can help others. But I'm really excited about uh, Copley and and what you're doing there. In fact, we did the – I was there actually uh, for the 150th birthday party for Copley, and I was able to pray for the ceremonies as they started. And it was just cool to talk to some of those who are starting – uh, this uh, entrepreneurship program, just the excitement that they have. And it's, it's kind of cool because it's the little town that could, you know, Saquon Barkley's from there. And uh, it's, it's really cool to watch all that's happening in the, in around the idea of entrepreneurship and the possibility there as well. So John, I know you are a marketing guru. You're the marketing Zen master, as they would say. So I wanted to hear, some of your marketing strategies and marketing tips, what would you recommend for us? And really, again, whether you are a business owner or whether you're trying to even market yourself, I think it's important that you understand how to do that. So John, why don't you tell us some of your marketing strategies? So great question, Joseph. I think, uh, one of the things that I would encourage you to think about is, uh, you know, for, so I'll, I'll use my context. I think what can be challenging is because we're with Chick-fil-A that we like to think as a, a big brand. But one thing I've found to be true over and over and over and over again is you have to, whether it's social media, whether it's events or, or what have you, it needs to be distinctive. So what's distinctive to your context? What's distinctive to your area? What's distinctive to where you are? And think about local as king. So uh, if I, for instance, if we put a post up about a generic uh, Chick-fil-A stock photo image of some team member in, I don't know, Tulsa, Oklahoma, that nobody, it, it looks very like a stock image or, you know, some Chick-fil-A sandwich that's been put together by Chick-fil-A Corporation. Um, the engagement of that is going to be a lot lower. However, if we put a local team member with a story behind where they're from, how they came to Chick-fil-A, Whitehall, and their favorite menu item is a Chick-fil-A sandwich, and they're holding it uh, in their hands or about to eat it, that's going to really resonate with people more. And I like to think about the Saquon Barkley thing as opposed to the Carson. So we did an event with Saquon Barkley and Carson once. It was very interesting. So Saquon Barkley is from Copley, as Joseph talked about earlier. And so we had this crazy idea of like, hey, let's just honor Saquon to be fully transparent with you. I had no idea that it would take off the way it did. 
But we were just trying to honor him. He's from here. Say Saquon, get a free sandwich. We were when we did that. Um, that post went viral, and we were covered in I think ten national media outlets, as well as we gave away fifteen hundred Chick Fil A sandwiches that day. And just the response um, for that was just really high. We did an event with Carson Wentz as well, and he's in Philadelphia. He's the quarterback of the Eagles. And, and that was good, but what I noticed is it was not nearly the same engagement or excitement. And, and the, I think the big reason is because Saquon's from here. He's, it's local. It really engages people. And so anytime you can think about a story and talking about uh, your business, your vision, about the people that work there, uh, I think it's really uh, impactful and really significant to people. And people love to hear behind-the-scenes story of whether that's a menu item or a team member that um, has come to your restaurant that's come through a really challenging situation um, or even maybe not a challenging situation, just how they got to Chick-fil-A or a guest that you were able to engage and in, in, in we were able to serve or a community um, event that you were able to partner with. So I think, you know, I want to go back to that idea. Distinctive and local really matter in the, that context. And then secondly, what I would, it goes back to generosity too. like be generous with your strategy. So for instance, if we're going to do, um, an event related to, uh, giving away sandwiches, yes, buy one, get one free chicken sandwiches. We'll certainly do it. Um, we'll do something, but saying free Chick-fil-A sandwiches for everyone that comes this day at this time is going to have a much more significant impact, not only on our business that day, but beyond. And so, uh, I think, the way to think about that is, hey, is it compelling enough? Is it whatever you're offering and whatever you're speaking of, does it compel the human heart? And if it doesn't compel the human heart to engagement, then you probably shouldn't do it. Um, and then the last thing I would just just think about as we think about personal branding, uh, if you're not on LinkedIn, strongly suggest you get on LinkedIn, create a personal profile with a really clear vision statement about who you are, where you what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish. It's like a, so when you think about LinkedIn, LinkedIn is like an online resume with a lot, um, with a lot more, uh, tools and, uh, things that you can do there. But specifically I would have a great, um, profile photo. I would have a great description of like who you are, where you're from. I wouldn't make it like generic. I would make it as specific as you can and creative, uh, your experiences, and don't leave out things like volunteering, uh, anything you anytime you've been published somewhere or any like art you've created, like Chris, for instance, I think he's recorded like 30 CDs, 30 albums. So whatever the, the amount is, each, you just age yourself. It's 30 CDs, 30 CDs. Sorry. <laughs> bad. I'm going to say tapes. It's all right. We're children. I'm going to say tapes. No, but, uh, <laughs> but, but my whole point in all that is don't don't discount and don't assume that people know that about you. That's, that's a really unique that's unique to you. And so talk about that. And then, uh, when you post on LinkedIn as well, uh, the beautiful thing about LinkedIn is that it's, it's not like Facebook and Instagram and in that it's, it's more professional, more leadership development, more, um, engaging in that regard, not political, not some of these other pseudo conversations that we get in. And so if you post, ask yourself is what I'm about to post going to add value to anybody else. And if it's not going to add value to anybody else, and I would actually apply that principle to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, 
If this is not going to add any value to anybody else, well, why am I doing this? But if it's, is it going to add value? Uh, hashtags are your friends. So like leadership, business, uh, sales, whatever the, the context you're in. And when you post, post with some post with frequency, but post compelling uh, material that will engage people's minds, hearts, and souls. The last thing I want to draw your attention to on LinkedIn is there's a place where you can actually write articles. And so it actually is a built-in, um, a built-in kind of like a blog for you where you can publish articles through LinkedIn and then just copy the link and put those on your other social media profiles. Or there's a place to connect and select all those other different uh, social media, media mediums that you use. But the big thing is if you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. Uh, there's also like live features I think that you can do now and videos that you can shoot. It's just a beautiful place. It's my favorite social media outlet uh, because I do believe there's there's great value. And because of LinkedIn, I've, I've um, made several connections and meetings. So there's a post on LinkedIn that I put up and uh, this this young, it was about this young lady who had survived domestic violence and how she told us that Chick-fil-A White Hall was a safe haven for her and that she, it, it allowed her to care for her, her children, the, the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that, but, um, and the, the post got like 30,000, uh, in people that were engaging on the post anyways. So the comments were like crazy. Like this one lady named Faye responded about how, um, her daughter worked at Chick-fil-A and um, how it was like second, like a second family. And um, unfortunately, her daughter was actually actually left Chick-fil-A and was was actually killed um, mm-hmm. by this by this abuser. But she was saying to the team member, I'm, I'm glad that you found a safe place. Mm-hmm. And then there's this woman named um, this author, this author of this book who uh, anyways reached out. Her name is first name is Carrie. She was so moved by it. She said, hey, I would like to send you and uh, team member Sam this this copy of this book mm-hmm. that I've written because I'm a survivor of domestic violence as well. And so she mailed us with like handwritten notes in, this, in, in the mail uh, with this, these books. And that was just all the power of telling a compelling story, yeah. um, an encouraging story. And it's not to make much about me. It's more about to like the bravery of this girl, but also to encourage and engage the mind and the spirit that, you know, kindness, kindness over criticism and kindness over comparison is, um, really contagious and a really needed thing. And, um, all that to say, uh, LinkedIn is a really powerful platform. So use it. So John, as you talk about all these different areas, as far as like your business philosophy, entrepreneurship, your marketing strategies, um, it's it's led to a lot of success for, success for Chick Fil A Whitehall. So can you tell us how how are the sales going there? You know all that's going on there as far as even ha- having to 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 scale as a result of all the the success that's come your way. Can you can you speak into that a little bit and helping people to sure. even think through that for themselves as well? Sure. So we grew about nineteen and a half percent last year in sales, and this year we're growing. Um, by 30, we're up 33% over last year's sales. So just perspective. So whatever we did last year <laughs> times that by 33%. So we, we grew by that. We're growing by that, that rate. And so, um, it's been really exciting, really challenging at the same time. I think if, if I were to encourage 
any listeners and also encourage myself as I think about this is, you know, you, there are certain things you can't control. So you can't, you know, you, you can't predict 33%. I mean, that's just insane for this industry. Um, but I think for one, focus on what you can't control. And so one is think about the experience you're providing for your team. So we'll go back to encouragement. So how can you encourage your team? Not only, um, not only with words, but deeds as well. Mm-hmm. So I meant to say that earlier about encouragement. Encouragement is not only a word thing, it's a deed thing as well. Mm-hmm. So you got to back up what you say with your deeds. Uh, and so, so that may be for us, you know, we had to change our whole pay scale. So I can tell you how much I care about you, but if you're, uh, working out 10 times harder than you used to have to and still making the same amount of money, that can be really frustrating. So thinking about the pay scale that we were paying people, so we revamped that whole thing. Um, we brought in um, an outside company to help with recruiting hmm. and outsourcing as far as um, jobs and interviews and things of that nature. Uh, there's other things we're looking at outsource as well. So um, whether that's an d- additional cleaning company, to come in and do some of the detail work that we normally would be able to do, but because we're so busy, um, we can do it. It's just a lot more challenging. And so I think you just have to really get creative on the out, where can you outsource some of the demands of the business? Uh, look at your systems and your processes as well. So what was working, you know, last year was good, but may need to change. And that may be, you know, their front of house procedures or our back of house procedures. So when we actually do things, we would normally do them at night. Maybe they need to be done in the morning when it's not as busy. And so really just thinking through your strategy, uh, as far as what you do. And then I think even marketing, you know, really having to revisit, Hey, what we did last year was good, but is that necessary anymore? Or is that season with that particular event or, uh, group that we used to work with the same thing we need to currently do this year. And so figuring out what things may need to have an ending or a, an adjustment. Um, and so those are some of the things I would just in, you know, encourage you to think about, but once again, it goes back to do the next right thing, control what you can control and, um, you know, watch what, watch what happens. Yeah. I was going to say too, with the scaling, uh, Les McCown, if you're looking for somebody, to read more about and, and just more about that subject of scaling. He, he does a great job of redefining scaling, not so much even about bigger, better, more, faster, but rather about what you've declared and have communicated as your definition of success for what you do and scaling according to that. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of times we just think about how do we grow bigger? but we don't know how to really think about how do we actually scale. He says, we're actually asking the wrong question. He says the, you know, the, the question that often gets asked is how do we, how can we keep growing this thing? And he says, that, that's the wrong question. The right question is how do we scale so that we can be effective and so that people aren't uh, left on the, you know, like falling on the ground because they're so overwhelmed by all this growth that's happening. But we're really thinking through our whole systems, our team member engagement, the way that we're walking alongside people through that. And I know as I've talked to you, John, and I've experienced this as a leader as well, you know, scaling is hard. It's, it's hard because it requires really a, a new set of, of thought on how you're going to approach what's in front of you and really being able to see it in a unique way and to 
to think differently and to do things differently than you once did before. And so as you think about scaling, and as John was sharing that, I, I would really encourage you to check out Les McCown. He actually just wrote a whole book about that as well. But John, thanks for being on the Vision for the Valley podcast. We are so grateful for you and the good work God's doing in and through and around you and your family and Chick-fil-A Whitehall. We are for you and we're cheering you on. We can't wait to come by and get a chicken sandwich soon. It'll be my pleasure to serve you. <laughs> but on a serious note, hey, Joseph, so proud of you and the work that God's doing in and through you guys as well, you and Chris. And so uh, as your brother, I applaud the leader, the man, and the husband and father you are. So hmm. kudos to you. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for that. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 